A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Farron and this is the show where you get to hear from a Christian politician, another one, about how they live out their faith in the mucky business of politics. You might think politics is tainted by compromise, by sin, and well, you'd be right, but so is everything else. And I think Christians should be praying for their brothers and sisters who are in politics in an informed way. Well, today on the show, we're talking about the additional roles that an MP can take on as well as serving their constituency. How does that affect their time, their job and their Christian life? Well, joining me will be the Conservative MP, Steve Double, who acts as the eyes and ears of Matt Hancock among the backbench MPs in his role as Parliamentary Private Secretary in the Department of Health. What does a PPS do and how much say does Steve have in what the Health Secretary sees? Before we speak to Steve, here's Cara Bentley with a roundup of some of the news this week. So this week is kind of focused on opening and closing. Will schools reopen and will borders close? There is pressure on the government to do both those things. So firstly, a number of people want the UK to close its borders or at the very least limit the risk of spreading COVID when people come in. So that could be a nice few days in a hotel or it could mean closing specific routes like we did with Brazil and South Africa. Or it could mean enforcing a blanket ban on flights coming in, which would obviously affect the economy, but be a decisive move from a health perspective. The other thing people are asking this week is when will schools reopen? Not everyone wants them to open, but the government said last summer that it was a priority to open schools before other parts of society. And we know that children are not receiving a consistent education from home and that their progress, their mental health, their future opportunities all get affected. So it's a big question that impacts families across the country. Tim, I know you've got kids. How are they finding it? It's interesting, to say the least. Um, I've got uh, three teenagers in the house and they will all be not paying attention at all today uh, when Gavin Williamson, the Education Secretary, answers an urgent question in the Commons on his plans for the reopening of schools. But it does absolutely matter to them whether they realise it or not. You see, Gavin Williamson has already said that he hopes that schools will be able to return after Easter. But I'm not convinced that that is a sure and certain hope. So how might Christians think about this situation? Well, maybe with gratitude and compassion for all affected and praying for wisdom for government, teachers and parents alike. But with a daughter and a son who were due to sit A-levels and GCSEs last summer, we are a family who very much feel at the sharp end of the disruption that coronavirus has caused in education. But my heart goes out to those parents of younger children where homeschooling is an even more intense experience. Any parent who ever doubted that teaching was an immensely skilled profession has been put to shame by coming face to face with the reality of the challenge of helping their child to learn. Being out of school can cause real disadvantage for children who don't have access to laptops or a decent Wi-Fi connection, and most of all, for children whose parents don't take an active interest in their studies. Isolation is taking its toll emotionally too. 60% of young people in my constituency report feeling that their mental health has got worse in the last year. And not being in school means that at-risk children may be even more at risk. But of course, schools aren't actually closed. There are now 10 times as many children physically in school than during the first lockdown. And meanwhile, teachers are working hard to teach children remotely and are regularly on the phone to parents and guardians to make sure things are okay at home. The clear expert advice is that the newer, more virulent strains of the virus mean that keeping children at home is vital to the effort to contain the pandemic 
until the vaccines can do their work. Last week, in our church house group, we prayed for members of our church family working in local hospitals. They are under far more pressure than they were in the first wave last spring. The physical and emotional strain on health workers is pushing many to breaking point. To govern is to choose. Put simply and brutally, the government has chosen to try to protect the NHS from being overloaded so that doctors don't have to choose who to keep alive and who to allow to die. They have chosen to limit the number of deaths from the virus and to achieve those things, they have chosen to create big challenges for children, parents and teachers. Love in the Bible is rarely just sentimental. Real love is costly. We do not want our older or vulnerable neighbours to die from COVID, nor do we want cancer patients to die because the NHS was so overloaded that they can't get treatment. And so we make sacrifices to try to protect them. We are glad to do so. But we have asked our children to make very large sacrifices. And so I think we older generations owe them big. And we owe our teachers thanks for dealing with a workload double what it normally is. Who thought a year ago that this is where we would be today? Yet our times are in God's hands. In James chapter four, we are rebuked for planning our lives complacently without reference to God. I don't want to presume to know exactly what God's purposes are through this crisis, but I can't help but think that it is in part to make us see how reliant we are on him, how we need to be humble in the face of unexpected circumstances and to turn to him in trust and utter dependence. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, this week on the show, we're talking about the additional roles that members of parliament can take on. What are they? How can they affect their work and their Christian life? Well, to talk about this this week, we're joined by Steve Double, who is the Conservative Member of Parliament for St Austell and Newquay in Cornwall. He is also the Parliamentary Private Secretary to Matt Hancock, the Health Secretary. We're going to investigate a little bit more what that means in a few minutes. But first, welcome, Steve. Hi, Tim. Good to be on your show. It's lovely to have you uh, have you with us. It seems to me that these are um, very peculiar times to be almost in any role in Parliament. But the role you've got as the Parliamentary Private Secretary in the, in the Health Department, I think is particularly fascinating. And I think listeners will be really interested to hear what it means. But we're going to keep them guessing for a moment or two. Because I first want to ask you something which we, we always ask guests on this show, because I think it's probably the most important question to ask. And that is, tell us a little bit about your journey to faith. You are a Christian. Tell us what that means to you and how you came to become one. Okay, well, uh, I uh, had the real blessing of being brought up in a, a Christian family. My my father was a fairly well-known evangelist, Don Double, uh, and really, you know, from as early as I can remember, um, the whole focus of our family was serving God and my parents' ministry. And, uh, you know, I, I often say that was both a great blessing and also a big challenge. Um, uh, but... Uh, being brought up in that environment of faith and uh, really serving God being being the whole focus of our family life and in the church there. Um, you know, I, I sort of came to faith very young. Um, I, I think I was around five years old when I remember first making a response to God and, and, and praying and, and, and wanting to give my life to him. I guess like many what, what often gets called preacher's kids, I, uh, through my adolescent years, went through uh, a challenging time where for a while I, I would say I, I walked away from God. Um, and then I remember very clearly at the age of 17 when there was a lot of all sorts of things going on 
both in my life and, and, and around me, of really just saying to God, okay, God, I'm going to give this one more go and I'm going to give my life to you and serve you. But if this doesn't work out in a year or two, then I'm walking away. Well, here I am um, at 54. So obviously something stuck. And um, I'm never quite sure whether it was the, 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 the five-year-old or the 17-year-old of the one that really counted. But either way, um, you know, that, that was kind of how I uh, came to, to, you know, give my life to God and, and, and choose to serve him. That's an amazing story. I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that God heard you when you were five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, it was a similar story, although not from a church background myself as a family, uh, when I was nine. And I, 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 you know, I often tell people I became a Christian at 18. And then I, I look back and think, well, the prayer I prayed when I was nine, I meant when I was nine. And he wasn't not listening. And yeah. I think we should remember when we're in his hands where, you know, um, maybe there's no escape. And certainly we should feel secure in that. And so for you, was that a life on the road? Or how uh, very, very young. Yes. I mean, actually, we didn't have a home as a family mm. uh, until I started school at, at almost five years old. Mm. Um, and, and literally the early years of my life were uh, traveling around the UK and indeed parts of Europe at that time, uh, which, you know, back in the, the 60s was a huge uh, deal, uh, actually. Um, and, and literally living out of a suitcase. And um, my parents always told me stories of uh, falling asleep in a suitcase because what they would do was they had a suitcase that was my, my cot. Um, <laughs> that, that when, when my parents, my, my mother at that time played the, the organ or the piano uh, for, you know, meetings, services that dad was preaching at. And they would literally put me in this suitcase at the back of uh, the hall where the meeting was happening. And uh, my mum would always tell me, she could tell the time by me because uh, on the dot of quarter to nine, I would look up, wave to her and fall asleep. Um, this is a real blessing now because I can literally fall asleep anywhere. But I also used to tell my dad I had an excuse falling asleep during his sermons because I uh, was brought up to do so. Excellent and I, I wonder if we can without in any way uh, crowbarring this in just see if we could talk a little bit about your journey into what you do now as a member of parliament and um, yeah. how it was that you got involved in politics and then how it was that you found yourself called to stand for parliament and then of course to win. Yeah um, well I, I, I often say to people I'm on my fourth career. Uh, I left school at 16 and went to work for Barclays Bank I then left the bank after about nine years and went uh, and worked for the church and for my, my dad's um, uh, ministry uh, charity. Um, and that was an incredible time. Ended up pastoring the church for a number of years. Um, and then in 2001, started my own business. Uh, I, for various reasons, felt I wanted to do something that really um, was, was sort of focused on the community and, and, and the world around us. Um, and then it, it was a chance conversation in 2009 where I had one of those things where I woke up in the morning um, and in the shower I had this weird idea, which, you know, I guess probably looking back would say was, was, was God giving me the idea um, to phone up the local conservative candidate for the 2010 general election, a lady called Caroline Wrighton. And I phoned her up and said, uh, um, do you need any help? Um, and uh, literally two days later, as you will know, Tim, when anyone asks a politician, um, can I help? <laughs> uh, we, 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 we grabbed them quickly. I uh, was having lunch with her and she suggested I should stand for Cornwall Council, which was going over from 
two-tier to unitary mm. uh, council that summer, uh, which I did um, and, and won and got elected to Cornwall Council and then joined her campaign team for the 2010 election, which was an amazing experience. It was one of the key target seats for the Conservative Party that election. We all thought she was going to win. She narrowly lost. And it was her that at, at the count, after she'd been told that she uh, had sadly lost, she came up to me and said, you should stand next time because you can win this seat. And that was really where it first came into my mind that, OK, maybe I should think about this. Mm. And then, you know, as you know, again, the, 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 there's quite a process to get selected to be the candidate, particularly in a, in, a, in a key marginal seat. But, you know, I, there was a bit of uh, a few ups and downs in that process. But then the party selected me and, and, uh, and I ended up standing for the 2015 election and, and, and um, uh, gladly uh, won that election. Amazing. And I think I mean, a lot of people may assume that uh, a parliamentary career is um, some, somewhat more ordered in how it comes about. And very often it is very much about somebody serving a local community and a whole chance, whole series of what look like chance events happen that lead you to where you are. Now, I think obviously as a, as a Christian, as a member of parliament, if we just spend a, a moment on this, I think probably both of us at times have found that we've uh, attracted a bit of grief and a bit of criticism for being Christians and being politicians. How has that felt like to you and to your family? Have you found that difficult to deal with? Um. I mean, certainly, I've you know, certainly at times I've had a bit of grief. I have to say, um, the majority of time, um, people are fine with it. You know, I, I often take a view that if people want to find a reason to criticise you, then being a Christian is another reason to criticise you. It, it may not be the main, you know, they're going to criticise you anyway. This just happens to be another thing they can they can uh, point at you. I do think at times it's probably harder for my family than it is for me. Both my sons live and work locally. Um, you know, the, the, the number of parallels between um, Christian ministry and politics actually always uh, quite surprised me. And it is a bit like being the preacher's kid, being the MP's kid is, is, is not uh, at times that different, probably a bit more in, in public awareness, but, but, but there are many parallels. Um, but I think, you know, what I've found, you know, time, time, I, I, you know, I've got a fairly thick skin, I guess. So I don't, there's very little that gets to me. But I think the key thing in all those times is how you, how you react to it, how you respond to it. Yeah. Um, and I think if you respond graciously and, and in, a, in a positive way, actually it disarms most people. Yeah. Well, you're listening to A Mucky Business with me, Tim Farron. We're talking about how an MP's life can change if they're given extra responsibilities. Well, Steve, uh, you were given some of those. We're with Steve Double, the MP for St. Hostel and Newquay. In the last 12 months, lots of things have changed for lots of people. At the beginning of these last 12 months, uh, soon after the general election, you found yourself with some new responsibilities. Tell me how that came about and tell me what those responsibilities are. Uh, yes, so um, after the last general election, uh, people may remember there was a, a reshuffle of the government, of the cabinet ministers in February, 11 months ago. And as part of that, I, I'd been the sort of the number two, the junior parliamentary private secretary in the Department for Health uh, for a, four or five months at that point. And uh, I remember the chief whip phoning me up and saying uh, they now wanted me to step up and be, be a PPS to uh, one of the cabinet, to a secretary of state. And there were a, a few choices 
And uh, one of those options was uh, to stay in the Department of Health, but step up and be Matt Hancock's PPS. And uh, amazing of all the options I was given, I chose to be um, the uh, PPS to the Health Secretary. Um, looking back, um, you know, I think, why did I do that? Because it was literally the next week, I think, that we had our first confirmed case of coronavirus transmitted in, in the UK. Uh, and clearly, it's been an incredible time uh, to be right at the heart of probably the biggest challenge our country has faced since the Second World War. Um, but to be, you know, supporting the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care and, and the other ministers in that department through the last months has been both incredibly busy, intense, but equally, uh, you know, a real honour and privilege to be in that department. Yes. Now, the role of a, of a PPS, uh, so much less important than your role, but back in the days when the Lib Dems had quite a few MPs, uh, Ming Campbell was our leader. And as the new leader, he, he rang me up and invited me as a new MP to be his PPS. I'm ringing my dad up. Uh, he was very excited, very proud. He said, well done. And he rang me back five minutes later and he said, Tim, what's a PPS? So tell us, Steve, in, you know, in short order, yeah. what is a parliamentary private secretary? What do they do? Well, the, the role is really the name suggests it's it's uh, it's a role within Parliament. It's a role supporting the Secretary of State and the other ministers in the department that you're PPS to. I, I kind of often describe it as like if there's a triangle of uh, the government ministers, the whips and the backbenchers, um, the PPS sits right between in the middle of that triangle. So you're very much the sort of conduit of listening to the backbenchers picking up any concerns or issues they may have, working with the whips to deliver the government's business for that department, and then supporting the ministers in their role. So that is getting people to speak in debates or ask questions in, in, in parliamentary questions times, arranging surgeries for them to have meetings with uh, colleagues that have concerns, uh, etc. So it really is quite a pivotal role, yeah. but it's, it's not a very public role. It's very much a role in the background a lot of background work and supporting uh, uh, both your colleagues and ministers in, in, in Parliament. For me personally, I think one of the struggles I find about being a member of Parliament and being away from my constituency is missing house group and, and so on. Do you find that the extra responsibilities you've got being a PPS adds any pressure to your time when it comes to your, your church life? Um, well, I, I will admit that since becoming an MP five and a half years ago, trying to find how church life fits in that and particularly attending regular Sunday services is one of the huge challenges. As, as you'll know, Tim, having a constituency that is so far away from Westminster mm. and the time travels on that are um, one of the big challenges. Often the only sort of downtime you get is a Sunday morning um, because, you know, certainly I'm on the road most weeks, Sunday afternoon, back to Parliament. So there is a huge challenge around an MP being really plugged in. Very fortunate because of my background, I've got a lot of very good Christian friends who we keep in touch with and, 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 and fellowship with as often as we can. Um, so, yeah, I, I think for me, um, I, I wouldn't say the additional responsibilities have particularly put any particular pressure on, but just generally being an MP mm. does does present some challenges of, of exactly how you fit into church life. Yeah, I mean, that, that is absolutely my experience that the you, ha you have to work at it and be very grateful for the people that God's put into your life. But I would say 
any any advice that I would give, you know, aspiring politicians from my experience, I think most of the mistakes I've made um, have come from not being sufficiently fellowshipped, if you like. And it's the first uh, rock in the bucket when it comes to deciding priorities for your time. So it sounds like you're handling that really well, Steve. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an ongoing challenge, but we, you know, we, we recognise the importance of it. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this is your chance to ask me anything about being a Christian in politics. It could be ethical, political or personal. And this week, Richard from Merseyside has been in touch. Hi, Tim. Do you believe that free speech is being eroded in this country? And shouldn't Parliament be legislating to protect this? Well, somebody wise once said that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. So we've always got to be mindful of protecting basic freedoms, including the freedom of speech. Now, I think that we ought to be careful about not claiming that we are specially singled out as Christians, particularly when you think that Christians in the West are affected by persecution far less than other Christians around the world. We also need to think, however, that sometimes uh, what people will do with their freedom of speech can cause even more harm to freedom. I'd argue for example, that Donald Trump in urging people to uh, take part in an illegal and it turned out violent insurrection the other week was an abuse of his freedom of speech. But for instance, on the other side of things, I was one of those MPs who spoke against and voted against the blasphemy laws to abolish the blasphemy laws, not because I don't think blasphemy is incredibly serious. I do. I just don't think it's a role of the state to police that. Freedom of speech is very, very important, but it means we've got to use our freedoms responsibly. And I guess one of the reasons why we maybe are under challenge in the West as Christians is because we're in an increasingly religiously illiterate society. People who don't understand Christianity and therefore don't react with any kind of tolerance towards it. Our response to that must be to turn the other cheek and to be gracious and to make sure that we fight for the rights of others to be heard and not just ourselves. If you've got a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Well, I think one of the most important things from my point of view about a mucky business is that it gives us the opportunity to pray in an informed way about the issues of the week and the people of significance in that week. It's been a great pleasure to have Steve Double with us and also to have you with us too. So I'd like, if you don't mind, to spend a moment or two just praying with you. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have ordained these times. Uh, you're in charge of all things. And we thank you that you've placed each of us who are Christians where we are for your purposes, however mundane or indeed spectacular uh, those purposes may be or those roles may be for any one of us. And we want to thank you for Steve Double. We thank you for his service to his community. And we thank you that he's been placed in that pivotal role within the Department of Health at this time. We ask that you give him patience and strength and wisdom as he serves in that role. Uh, help him to honour you and give him the ability to deal with the workload that he has. And we pray for his family, that you protect them and that his church life would also be protected, that, um, that church life would be a real blessing and strengthening to him. Lord, as we think of our schools and of our teachers and our children and parents this week, we ask that you would provide wisdom 
to Gavin Williamson, the education secretary, to head teachers and teachers, and to parents as they make choices about the future of our children and their education. I pray that you bless those who we might imagine might be disadvantaged otherwise. Provide with them or provide them with the resources they need to do well despite learning away from school. We pray for an end to this virus. We pray that uh, you would, in your mercy, uh, bring the vaccine uh, quickly to uh, millions of people and that we would return to some kind of normality soon. But above all else, Lord, we ask that this nation would turn to you through this time, learning its desperate need for you, its reliance upon you being something that cannot be denied in the face of something so catastrophic. And all these things we ask you in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. It's been a massive joy to have you with us this week. Thank you very much for giving us your time and listening to A Mucky Business. Uh, next week, I'll have with me the Labour MP, Emma Hardy, who represents Hull, West and Hessel. So until then, thanks ever so much for listening. You can listen to the podcast of this programme online by searching for A Mucky Business. Don't forget, if you have any questions you'd like to put to Tim in a future show, email farron at premier.org.uk.